You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Friday edition of the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Hope all are having a spectacular day. How could you not? It's Friday, man, right? Getting ready for the weekend. Go to the shore, go to the beach, go to the lake. Got so much sports going on. Funny, I was talking to my boys before we went on the air. You know, you got hockey going on, you got Major League Baseball, you got NBA playoffs, you got all the football conversation going on. Today was like LeBron James, like pin him down on getting rid of that conversation that he's the GOAT. I'm going to have a conversation and ping pong back and forth here. When you look at a guy like that versus a guy like Tom Brady, what do you see? We'll hit on that here in a second, but we are packed today, man, content-wise and also guest-wise. In one of the greatest 30 for 30s that ESPN has ever done. And I'll tell you this, Bill Simmons, he's not very good on the air, but I'll tell you what he does do. That creation of the 30 for 30 docuseries that they have there on ESPN is the best. Ever since the sports century they did back a couple decades ago, the 30s for 30s that they do are just great. Now, I'm partial to some of them because obviously some of them have the University of Miami involved in it in I'm in some of those. So, I mean, I do dig that, you know. My daughter goes, oh, my God, there's my dad. Dad, really? You knocked out that guy? Yeah, that was a different guy, you know. I'm I'm a lover, not a fighter nowadays, right? Okay, it's all good, right? So, the 30 for 30s are great. And one of the greatest 30 for 30s is the recruitment of Marcus Dupree. And I've talked to Barry Switzer, the head football coach, back in the day of the Oklahoma Sooners, and he says his biggest regret was not being able to handle Marcus Dupree. Marcus Dupree was one of the greatest running backs in the history of Oklahoma, and he would end up leaving because of the way the two could not get along, and he would go into the USFL. And we're going to talk to one of those superstars who went on. And get this, he was away from the game for a while, and he went back in years later, to play a couple years in the NFL. We're going to talk to Marcus Dupree. What was that like playing in that league back in the day? Obviously, the news is big, and we may be making some news here on the National Football Show. One of my favorite football players of all time. This man has over 10,000 rushing yards. He is a former Rookie of the Year, NFL MVP, Super Bowl MVP. 
He owns three Super Bowl rings with the New York Giants. He is O.J. Anderson. How he's not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, um, it just baffles me. Some of these guys that don't get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I have no idea. And he works around the New York Giants. We'll ask him about Saquon Barkley, and we'll ask him about the upcoming New York Giants for the 2021 campaign. The last guest is going to be pretty interesting. I can tell you this. Steve Earhart, the former executive director of the USFL, is going to join us. He is now the executive director of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. And why we're having him on, funny, I was reading a column this morning, and it says right in there, Steve's quotes were, hey, I woke up Thursday morning and I saw the USFL was back. Wow, that's news to me. My partners would really like to know where they came up with the notion that they could use the logos and the same branding logo of the USFL. We own it. Fox Sports doesn't own it, nor does the Spring Football League run by Brian Woods. Where did they get that notion that they own it? They own a copyright, and on top of that, they get royalty fees, like from the Philadelphia Stars, from the New Jersey Generals that Donald Trump owned. Okay, so we're going to talk to Steve, and we're going to ask him right out of the gate, is the USFL back or not? That'll be in hour number two. So we are a packed show today, and we welcome you aboard here with us. All right. I, I briefly touched on it. I want to get back onto this uh, comment here. And I'm going to say this to you, and, and I'm not starting out with NBA or anything, but I am starting out with a superstar legendary player in LeBron James. Isn't it funny how when you watch a particular athlete, you can always tell a little bit about his character? Now, let me preface this by saying this. Is LeBron James one of the greatest players in the history of the NBA? One of the greatest athletes in American sports history? No question about it. Absolutely no question. He'll retire owning every single NBA record, in my opinion. Minutes played, points, assist, all that. I mean, 17 legendary years. Okay? But there's also that extra top shelf. You know where the Louis sits on. You know where the Dom Perignon's on. You know, not that, you know, not that Mad Dog 2020 down here. You know what I mean? Or that Thunderbird down here you get for $1.29 at one of your local booze stores. You know what I mean? We're not talking $1.29 stuff. We're talking like high-end stuff. So when you start getting yourself compared to that, everything that you do, including how you lead your teams, are always going to be evaluated. What I don't like about LeBron James compared to a guy like Tom Brady, his mannerisms, woe is me. It's their fault. He didn't shake hands last night with the Suns who knocked him out of the playoffs for the first time in his legendary career. He's been knocked out in the first round. Okay? Now, look, there's a difference between being a sore loser and a poor sport. Okay, and a bad teammate. I'm not a very good, hey, I'm not a good loser either. Hey, man, shaking hands and doing all that stuff. Hey, hey man, I'm not going to shake your hand for kicking my ass. That's not really what I'm going to do. I may come back if you're one of my boys, I may go over. And I, I'm okay with that. But when you show up your teammates, that's where we start to separate. Okay, 
I think LeBron shows his teammates up all the time. You know that press conference? Yeah, we just couldn't stay healthy. Who are you blaming? You or your teammates? Anthony Davis, and by the way, who cleared Anthony Davis to play last night? Dr. Fauci? I mean, seriously, who cleared that guy? Everyone on the planet saw that that guy could not walk and run up and down the basketball court. Who in the hell cleared that guy? Either that or the Lakers need better team doctors. Every single dude watching that game last night went, how'd that guy get cleared? Oh, but he's going out and he's going to play like a Willis Reed. Bro, if you can't go out and help your team, I don't care what sport it is, you hurt your team in the end. It deflated the entire unit last night when he walked off the court, didn't it? That's not, that's not smart team sports. And then what happened? Then you had LeBron running up and down the court or loafing as they were getting blown out last night in game six versus the Suns. Can you imagine Tom Brady doing something like that, just not giving a you-know-what in the fourth quarter? He's getting blown out, not wanting to go out there, not wanting to be with his teammates. Hey, whether the score's 45 to nothing or you're getting destroyed by 45 points, you're in it together. It's a team sport. And if you want to be a guy that's out there and you want to have all the me is me. And by the way, you know what he said last night also? He goes like this. Hey, man, it really doesn't matter to me that I got knocked out in the opening round. Really? Well, how many tweets do we watch on that stupid Twitter account of his? I was really glad to see that, you know, I went by Michael Jordan and, you know, points scored and, you know, hey, I'm just honored to be. Shut up, dude. Everybody knows what you're doing. You're using Jordan as a prop. Jordan must be laughing his ass off somewhere going, that guy could not play on my team. Michael Jordan would have punched that guy in the face. He punched Steve Kerr in the face. I'm not saying that's right. But you know when Jordan punched Steve Kerr in the face? During practice because he wasn't working hard enough. You talk about competitive fire? That's what I'm talking about. When the lights are on and when the lights are off, man, you're that dude always. You're just not, not that dude when you feel like being that dude. That's what LeBron is. Lights are on. Cameras are around. You know, he's, that, He gets so embarrassed because of failure that the first thing he does and the first reaction that he has is what? Blaming others. Coming up with excuses. Yeah, we were just hurt. Yeah, well, that first championship that you won, don't you remember when you were in the playoffs that year? Derrick Rose couldn't play that on that Bulls team. Or how about the other year when you came back 3-1 three, three against the Golden State Warriors and Draymond Green was out? Or how about even last year in the bubble? Get this, in the bubble, Katie didn't play, Kyrie Irving didn't play, Steph Curry didn't play, Clay Thompson didn't play. Dude, all them guys were out last year. I mean, if you want to start making excuses, dude, I mean, I can make a trillion of them the other way for you. The great ones don't make excuses. You know what they do? Hey, it's on me, man. We got beat. This is all on me. I'm LeBron James. I'm Tom Brady. I'm Patrick Mahomes. I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. When you want to be compared to that guy, okay, you have to be that guy always. You know, I, I, I've come to the conclusion 
when it comes to comparing athletes, no matter what the generation is, no matter what the decade is, do you know why people consistently to this day say that Michael Jordan is a greater talent than LeBron James? Because Jordan's highs were too high. They were higher than LeBron's highs. It's not because LeBron played 17 years and Jordan didn't play that many years. It's because Michael Jordan was a guy who had these tremendous highs. And LeBron's never, ever gotten near any of those highs when we watched him perform. That's why when we compare quarterbacks, is this guy really better than Tom Brady? Look at Brady's highs. Winning these seven championships in dramatic fashion, being that guy. How do I get into talking about Brady, about how we always look at him, and is he the greatest caller of all time? I'll get into that here in a minute. LeBron's really opened up a lot of avenues today because today is like National Bash LeBron or Support LeBron Day. He really brings other athletes into focus, which is a cool thing in a way because it gives us banner. You know, the barbershop talk, that's kind of what the national football show is. And I always like that kind of stuff. You're sitting around a barbershop and you're just having a, you know, a conversation about your favorite sports, dude, whether or not you think this team was the greatest team of all time or this guy was the best. I, I just absolutely love that. By the way, I'm a big fan of list. I love that stuff. So, I mean, when you're comparing people, you can't compare the longevity. Yes, is that part of it? You know, how great and how long you were great? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, man, I look at guys and I go like this. Montana's highs were so epic. You know what? And, and you know what? When I look at Joe Montana versus a guy like Tom Brady, here, Montana had 135 quarterback rating, 15 touchdowns and no picks. He beat Marino and Elway in Super Bowls. I don't know. <laughs> okay. That's pretty impressive. And he beat Elway twice. I mean, he beat Elway and he beat Marino in Super Bowls, and he beat an MVP that year in Boomer Esiason. Man, that ain't like beating, excuse me, losing to Nick Foles or Eli Manning, who I don't think is a Hall of Fame quarterback. This guy's 117 and 117. His last seven years have sucked out loud, but he's got two Super Bowl championships, which will get him in in his last name. He's going to Canton. Why do you think Eli retired? Eli retired because he didn't want an underwater record as a starting quarterback. He's like 117 and 117 and one. He's got a 500 record. His, his quarterback touchdown interception ratio was pathetic the last six years. Look at his record too, man. It was terrible with the Giants. I mean, that's why he retired. He's not getting into the Hall of Fame with an under 500 record and people only question and going, is that guy really that good? But see, he beat the GOAT twice. And Brady constantly fuels it, too. I'd give two of my Super Bowl rings just to be and have one of those Eli Manning ones. That undefeated one is the one he really misses out. You know that just gets in his crawl every single time it's brought up that Eli was the guy that beat him, especially when the fact that he owned his brother. Owned his brother. Owned him. Owned his brother. But Montana, you could easily make the con. Joe was flawless in those games. And he was going against those New York Giant teams and those – Washington teams, and those 49er Montana teams. Okay, let's not forget, 
OJ Anderson, one of our guests that's coming on today, he was also playing against those Joe Montana uh, 49er teams. Those teams were spectacular because you know why? You didn't have a salary cap back in the day. You didn't have to worry about flipping your roster upside down every single flipping day because you didn't have to worry about managing money. You had the guy on your team for 10 years if you felt like it. So I thought it was an interesting conversation. Everybody now, and look, I'm not, it's not about bashing LeBron because accolades speak for themselves. It's not about bashing. But when you want to talk to me about being on the top shelf, and we're talking about the top shelf liquor shelf, come on, dude. You can't be walking around like you're defeated and you can't be looking like you're a loser and that you don't want to be associated with your team. To me, that's when your team needs you the most, man. They need you to be the front face of that team and why you failed. Hey, you want a question? It's all right. It's on me. That's how I'd answer it. Man, you put me in that position, I'm going to get my guys back. He don't get any of his guys back. It's all about him. Brady gets his guys back. Hey, we're not good right now, man. It's on me. This is all on me. You know, when Brady gets the ability to run a team, and Brady's the face of a team, have you ever seen him not take the accountability of why they lost? Hey, I just didn't play good enough. I didn't make big plays when I needed to. Yep, Tom, what about the defense giving up the plays to Eli in the Super Bowl? You know, I could have held on to the ball more, and we could have had more of a sustained drive. You know, I had a couple turnovers, and we had a couple three and outs. That's really on me. You know, I got to do a better job of managing the sequences. When That's all the stuff you heard, man. Here's with LeBron. Yeah, man, the guys were hurt, and our rotation wasn't that hot. I don't know if we have the right guys. <laughs> it's just stuff just makes me, it makes me crazy when I hear that. It really does. Because team sports are special. You know, one of the reasons that I got into team sports is because I always wanted to stand out in a crowd. You know, it's one thing to be a heavyweight champion or a tennis champion or a golfer. Those guys are all by themselves, okay? And I give them a lot of credit for doing that. I really do. But, man, when you have a group of men that you could stand out and you could say I'm one of the better teammates and I'm one of the best guys on the team, there's something about that. Standing out in a crowd. The crowd that you go to war with, the crowd that you go and you play with each and every single weekend, there's nothing like it. And I'd be damned if I'm going to sit there and do Here, I'll give you the small example. And I've brought this game up before and I'll do it again because it's my, it's my benchmark game. I, I brought this up the other day. I, I had my greatest football game in a national championship game in which we lost. I was asked a question right after the game. By the way, it was my birthday. The time had clicked. We played the game on the second. I'm sitting there. I'll never forget. I just didn't want to be there. It's funny that I'm even in broadcasting because I hated being asked questions because I thought most of the media people were turds anyway. And I, I, I can't believe I've done this for almost 30 years now. They asked me, they go, Dan, your, your guys played with your own Brown. You guys played your asses. I go, we lost, dude. We lost. Guy kept pressing. Vinny threw seven picks. We lost, dude. We lost. And I started raising my voice. Guy goes, yeah, but Sills, 
Yeah, 10 tackles. I, 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 just, I, I got up and walked away. I was almost in tears because I couldn't and I wouldn't go, yeah, we played great. They sucked. They sucked. We played great. I couldn't do that to my guys. And I still won't do that to my guys to this day. And you can ask Jimmy Johnson. You can ask Vinny Testaverde. You can ask Alonzo High. You can ask anybody, Michael Irvin, anybody who was on that team. They'll never throw Vinny under a bus. Seven interceptions. And we lost by four. <laughs> it drives me nuts. Dan, what was your best game? You know how hard it is for me not to say, hey, I, the Penn State game. Yeah, but you lost. Ugh. So I've got to say a lesser game. That one right there, 13 tackles and two sacks against the Gators. That's fine. I'll take that one. But it's consolation because it was in front of 100 million people that we played that night in the desert. I'm not going to do that. LeBron, man, would turn around and go like this. We played great. They sucked. I can't have that, man. I won't have that. All right, let's move on. You know, I, I have been really intrigued by this, you know, USFL story. Because to me, it is easily, easily, one of the most intriguing stories I've seen come down the pike when it comes to trying to start up a spring football league. This is why it's going to work. I, I'll ask you guys this. How many times you guys watch The Godfather? How many times do you listen to records by the Rolling Stones or Metallica? Okay. Over and over again. Why is that? You know why? It puts you in a good mood. You know those. You identify with those. They make you feel good. See, The Rocks XFL, do you guys know any of the team's names? The USFL, the Philly Stars, the Generals, Michigan Panthers, the Denver Gold, the Tampa Bay Bandits. These guys have built-in branding. There were Hall of Famers like Reggie White that were at that league when they were competing against the National Football League. He played for the Memphis Showboats. Reggie left Tennessee and goes, I'm going to go play in the USFL because I want to stay there in Tennessee. Played his college football with the Vols. Okay? And I think this thing's going to be a grand slam. I think The Rock is going to be fighting branding. The USFL already has branding. That's why I think this thing works. And you have a TV deal set up. Okay? You have a TV deal set up with Fox already. That was the thing that knocked the USFL off the front page. Was once they tried to compete in the fall, they lost that television deal because the National Football League called its television partners and said, if anybody airs any of these games, we are out. I'll explain a little more. We're going to catch up with our friend Marcus Dupree, who played in that league and is one of the legendary high school football players and college football players of all time. Didn't make it to the Hall of Fame, though. Why? 
We'll explain next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy, Dan Cilio. Hope your Friday's going well. Boatload people on the program. Just fantastic. O.J. Anderson will join us. Steve Earhart, the executive director of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, plus the X, or excuse me, the USFL will get his thoughts on the news that supposedly confused him because he's got the rights with his partners still to the USFL. And so we shall find out and get down to the skinny of it here. So we'll talk to him. That'll be in hour number two. So, you know, as I was saying, 
the reason that I think the USFL is going to make it is because of the branding that they've already have. People recognize that. And I would even make this comment to you that the USFL was probably the greatest non-NFL league that the United States ever had. And that includes the old AFL. There were some, Jim Kelly was in that league. Doug Flutie was in that league. Herschel Walker was in that league. Reggie White was in that league. There were so many fine ball players. Ken Hall was in that league. I mean, when you talk about how that league was really gathering steam, the National Football League was hyper nervous on what the USFL was doing. The problem was that they started playing these exorbitant salaries for some of these players. And they were basically going back and forth with the National Football League when it came to salaries. And the NFL was getting nervous. And I would say this to you, the general managers that we have in the game right now, I'm talking NFL, those guys were scouts back in the day. They were competing against the old USFL 30 years ago. And these guys today are the general managers who were fighting against that league. Now, I'm not suggesting to you in any way that the reemergence of the USFL is going to try to compete with the National Football League again. But the reason that that league went away, and we'll talk to Steve Earhart in hour number two about it, but, you know, sure, people want to aim it towards Donald Trump, but I would say this to you. Once the USFL decided to go into a competition in the fall, that's when they lost their television deal. And once they lost their television deal, and guess who did that? There was no question about it. What they did was they went to their partners, which were their broadcasting partners, CBS, NBC, and ABC back then, and told them, if you air any of these games, our relationship with you guys will be over. In theory, the National Football League pretty much put the death claw on the USFL because they were threatening their business partners. And hence, I'll tell you this, that was the basis of why the NFL Network was created. I've talked to Rich McKay, who's now the president of the Falcons over this, that because of what the USFL did, they needed another network that they could, okay, that they could hold another network hostage with. Meaning this, hey, if you couldn't air the games, okay, what they were going to do then was they were going to just pull it and put it on the NFL Network. Simple as that. That's what That's what basically it came down to. And I, I got to tell you, man, I heard the news and I was really, really, really pleased to hear that because those leagues, I, I, I had thought of actually, because I, I started having conversations with some of the teams because they were looking for talent. And what they were doing was they were going to a lot of the juniors that were in college at the time because they didn't have any bylaws like the NFL did where they couldn't contact you. The USFL was starting to go around and talk to many of the younger players around the league, and I talked to them. There was an old team called the Orlando Renegade, and that team I think only lasted a year. And then what we did was I think my rights got shipped over to the Tampa Bay Bandits, and that Bandits team had massive amount of success. Massive amount of success. I mean, they got fifty to 60,000 fans in that building. Steve Spurrier was the head coach, and they were outdrawing at times the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. I mean, there were many places, especially in the south, like the Memphis Showboats. They had a boatload of fans that were showing up. So 
it really was starting to pick up even more and more. But then when, again, Trump was pushing for that league to compete against the National Football League in the fall, and that's when that thing ended up really falling apart. So, again, no question about it, man. Um, there is a lot of tempered excitement, I would say, about potentially getting this league back up and running again. So hopefully we're going to be able to catch up with our friend Marcus Dupree here and get his thoughts on what it was like playing in that league. I had a bunch of buddies that ended up playing in it. And, you know, I talked to Jim Kelly numerous times about playing when he was in, you know, Houston, and he was talking about, you know, he would never have left the Houston Gamblers. One of the best helmets on the planet. One of the absolutely coolest teams that they had in that league. And Kelly was throwing the ball all over the yard, man. I mean, put big numbers up. And Jim said it numerous times, man, that he would never have left that league if that league had stayed intact. So, again, we'll catch up with him, too, and we'll get his thoughts. And I maybe got to reach out to our friend uh, Jim Kelly and get his comments on it, too. All right. We're going to take a brief time out because we're trying to run down our friend Marcus Dupree. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. 
It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show, and it's my privilege to bring on our friend here, one of the absolute greatest recruits in the history of college football. He was one of the greatest running backs in the history of Oklahoma football, and he would play in the USFL. He is our friend, Marcus Dupree, and he joins us here on the National Football Show. Marcus, how you doing, brother? Doing pretty good, Dan. How's it going? Oh, good, man. Hey, am, am I right? You're in a movie now? Well, this is probably like my fifth movie. So, yeah, I, I got a hidden, hidden uh, uh, I guess, talent that I don't see, but somebody else sees it, so I keep getting in these movies. That's pretty cool, man. Uh, you, you, you know, Marcus, uh, your story, like on the 30 for 30, is truly one of the most remarkable ones. And I just wonder, just reflecting back now, after a couple of years that that thing has been – uh, out there, how do, do people have a different perception of you a little bit now compared to what was not known and how your journey to where you are right now, where people see you in a different light today? I think so. I mean, a lot of people didn't know what was going on in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, me being a young kid, I respected my elders, so I really didn't say anything. But uh, people have a different perspective of how how I saw things, and even Coach Switzer even admitted that you know he did some things wrong. He said that's probably one of his biggest mistakes is, is uh, coaching me. And uh, so all I can do is accept it. Life goes on. And we move on and we keep doing what we do. Do you have that in your, in your day sometimes, Marcus, when you look at the mirror and you go like this? I mean, look, Bo Jackson, too. He must look in the mirror and go, here's one of the greatest athletes of all time. He's not in any Hall of Fame, okay? Herschel Walker is in the College Football Hall of Fame, had a great career because he stayed at Georgia. He did go to the USFL like you did. But, you know, I always ask these guys, is there that one reflection moment do you ever have where you go like this? Jesus, man. I mean, you arguably are the greatest back in that program's history. Billy Sims, no disrespect to any of those guys. But do you ever have a day like that? Yeah, you know, when I take my friends back to a game or I, or I sit down and talk with my grandkids that are playing now and being recruited, you know, I look back and I could have won the Heisman Trophy two times, could have possibly two national championships. But, you know, God has his own path, and I got to look at it from that perspective. My grandmama always told me, you know, if it doesn't kill you, you'll be all right. Just keep going. And so that's what I try to look at, try to think about what my grandma would say. And, and uh, you know, possibly I, I could have been one of the probably the top five backs in ever. You know, I had a bad injury, which I, I called before I – you know, a lot of people don't know. Before I had that injury, I called my mom. She was at church, and I said, I don't feel good, feel like something's going to happen today. And I don't know what it is, but I got a strange feeling. You know, a couple of hours later, she gets a call at church, and says, Marcus on tour of his knee. And I felt it. I mean, but I knew that that's part of the, part of the job. That's part of, you know, the, the damage control, I guess you would say, whatever. <laughs> that's part of playing this game. So, uh, but I do look back at it and, and think about, how I could have been sometime. 
I do. You know what, Marcus? I do want to thank you for one, one of these. Look, I this one right here is my national championship ring that we beat Oklahoma, and I'm so glad you weren't in that game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad because, hey, no disrespect to Spencer Tillman, but I've told him this before. I go to Spencer, I go, hey, Spence, man, I love you to death, but Dude, if that horse 22 is in the backfield, I hope it may have been a different game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that all the time from Keith Jackson. We talk about that too, man. He's like, man, we'd have had you that day, brother. It would have been a different ball game. I, was like, I understand. I wish I could have been there. It would have been a great game. Oh, no, no, no. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Marcus, let me – how's your relationship with Oklahoma today? Oh, it's great, man. I go back – I mean, I have a marijuana company up there called Boomer Kush. I named it just because people in Oklahoma said they say Boomer. I talked to Coach Mafia. I just talked to Coach Switzer uh, last week because he just had a pacemaker put in. And, and so I go, Coach, I heard uh, Coach Pronto called and said, you're in the hospital, uh, something going on with your heart. He said, well, I got a pacemaker now. I can keep up with you. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I see Coach Switzer all the time. I go to Norman all the time. I'm, I'm there. Uh, I'm, I'm in Oklahoma more than I'm at home right now. Let's go into how you decided to go into the USFL. How how did that happen? And by the way, for those watching right now, there's your jersey right there. Oh, yeah. oh it's right up. over your yeah, right yep. over your shoulder there. There's right your show, USFL. Yeah. yeah, there's your USFL jersey. How did that happen? And how did you how did you make that decision uh, to go? Was it because the NFL had those restrictions about underclassmen? Is that why you ended up going? Talk about the process and what got you to the USFL. Well, pretty much what uh, people, this agent start popping up because you can just walk into our dorms without even, you know, just access to our dorms. So uh, agents start stopping by and, you know, coaches start talking. And and then uh, one specific coach said, we we're trying to get you in the NFL. I'm like, okay. But then when I left school, uh, uh, Joe Canizera called me. And was like, we need to get you down here in New Orleans. New uh, New Jersey has your rights. I was still at Southern Miss at the time, but uh, I was like, sure, I'd rather play for money than playing with, you know, hanging out doing, you know, not making nothing. So I saw the opportunity, and uh, you know, that was that was it. What was it like playing in that league? I, I've talked to Jim Kelly, and oh, I've man. talked to uh, a bunch of guys who just loved that league. Uh, Bro, I loved it, I, especially playing in New Orleans. I was 17, 18 years old, no, 19, I guess, and staying in New Orleans and playing for it because New Orleans fans are crazy about sports and crazy about football. It was a great time. I had great coaches. Coach Corey, who just passed a couple of months ago, was a great guy. He's the ear, he's the image, he's the spit image of uh, Dick Vermeil, Coach Robinson. You know, that's that coaching tree. And uh, I love playing with the breakers. I love playing with the guys that we were were. We're 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 a family. I mean, we did everything together. I mean, I did, I played in both leagues, and I don't see any different than the USFL than the NFL. I mean, it was ran the same way. And you know what I tell people, and maybe because you did play in both leagues, I tell people this: that once that league did end up folding, twelve or thirteen of the guys that were in that league the year before made the Pro Bowl the next year, the NFL Pro Bowl. I yeah. mean, just the. Just the essence of you being in the USFL and also in the NFL, did you see much difference? I didn't see any difference. It wasn't any difference. We we, we did everything the same way the NFL as the USFL. We traveled the same way. Our checks were on time. Uh, it was it was a great league, and, and people really enjoyed the spring league in, in, in the spring. I mean, it was a great time. 
I, I can't express how good it was. It was I mean, it's it probably, I want to say it kind of felt like, you know, it was better than the NFL. How about this? Um, did you, were, were you disappointed when the team moved? If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. When the team moved to Portland, were you disappointed that it moved out of New Orleans? I was very disappointed. Uh, the fans in Portland, no, no disrespect to the people in Portland, but it was a totally different feel. Uh, you know, down south, people, you know, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas. You know, they we look at football different. And and I don't think Portland was the right move for the New Orleans Breakers. I think we should have stayed in New Orleans. We had great fan support from Mississippi across to Texas to Alabama. Uh, we averaged 40, 45, 50,000 people in the stadium. I mean, it was a great – it was a great – at the end of the day, it was a great league. New Orleans is a great city. Uh, they supported the team. Um, it, it, I, I can't speak – I mean, the sky – the moon was – I mean, we could have went to the moon. Let me throw this at you, too. You had so many, like, speed bumps in your football career. You get hurt at OU. Then you get hurt in the USFL, if I'm not mistaken. Then you have to do this. The league folds. Then you have to pick up the pieces again, and you were out of the game for a while. What made you want to have that one last urge to see if you could do it? Because, you know, Mar Marcus, I'll tell you, and I'll I tell everybody, that guy right there next to Eric Dickerson are the two best running backs I have ever seen on a high school football tape. There's nobody better than these two guys. What gave you that last itch to want to try it in the NFL? Well, I always dreamed playing in the NFL. Uh, Bud Holmes, who was my sports, my agent at that time, also was representing Walter Payton. And uh, I just didn't want to die saying, what if I could have went back one more time? And I asked God to, to give me the strength to work out for three months. That's all I need, three months of my entire life. And if you give me the opportunity to keep the strength and keep the faith, I will make that team. And I did. I went out and worked out by myself, worked in the gym by myself, and just grind and grind to get back to 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 be in the best shape and be in the right mindset to be able to make that team. And I did. I was. I think it shocked a lot of people because I wasn't supposed to basically walk again without a cane or something. And uh, I said, well, you know, I, I'm just going to push it, give it 100 percent, and uh, see where I end up. If I make it, it'll be great. If I don't make it, I can say I tried. What do you make of the news that came out yesterday that they're going to start the league back up again and they're going to use the logos, they're going to use the same team names, they're going to go back to the branding? I here, Here's my opinion on it, Marcus. It's that you've already got the branding when you're talking the Philly Stars and the Generals and the Michigan Panthers and all these other teams. I mean, The Rock is a friend of mine, and he, you know, he's got the XFL, but nobody knows those teams. No. The USFL has branding. How do you think this thing's going to look? I think if they do it right and bring in the right people and run it right, and you know, I don't know what the salaries are going to be. I like to be part of it. I mean, it was a great league. I mean, you know, we know who uh, kind of got the league defunct. You know, I don't want to say who it is, but if you go watch the 30 for 30, you know, the small potatoes that killed the USFL to tell the story. And uh, But I think the league eventually would have should have merged with the NFL where it could have been a farm league or whatever where guys can improve. But at the end of the day, to me, it gave people jobs. It gave people something to do in the spring. And people that love football down south, you know, they love – they'll go to a football game. I don't care if it's 30 below. 
you know, and, and then we got the fan support and you got the media. I mean, it, the branding is there. I just need to bring in the right people. And uh, I think it'll work. What did you think of playing in the spring? I loved it. I loved it. I mean, I hate cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a May baby. I just had a birthday. I was born in May. So I'm a, I'm a May baby. But uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, you didn't have to worry about Y'all think it was hot, but we played in the dome. So, you know, our temperature was great. So, uh, but I love playing in the spring. People are ready to do things in the spring. It gives people more to do, uh, gives people something to look at. That it was it, it was a great time. I want to get into what you're doing now. And I've always told people this that, you know, it's funny when I hear people that are friends of mine that are in the cannabis business, you know, someone always goes, Oh, well, you know, it automatically sparks up an eyebrow, and you're like this. If you only knew the Percocets and Percodans and the drugs that our athletes took when they were playing professional sports, you would want to try to come up with a different form of remedy when it came to managing pain. Um, I believe marijuana is something that the National Football League should get into and in looking for pain relief for these players. You know this, Marcus. You went through all those injuries. The Percocets and Percodans, I felt like a junkie after a regular season with all the pills that we took. Talk about how the NFL could maybe roll into something like this when it came to pain management for the players. Well, you know, right now I have two pain creams that I use every night. Uh, we, I think they need to get into it. Uh, it's, you know, I, I'm not the expert, but I know it works. You know, I'm not a smoker, but I do eat the gummies, and I do use my pain cream, and my pain cream is on the boomer cushion. Let me get that in. Uh, <laughs> We have two. We got a wind down, well, a wind down, and a deep heat. And it's not the same as the stuff that we used to use in the locker room to loosen our muscles up. It don't smell the same, but it penetrates and gets into the. I have a, a, a pain cream that has half CBD, half THC, and the CBD works with the THC, and the THC works with the CBD where it gets into the 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 the, the, the nerves, and and you don't get high. I, I don't have a lot of people call me and I'm going to get my mom, my grandma some of this pain cream. Is it going to get her high? So it <laughs> doesn't get you high. It just, it, it gets rid of the pain. It gets rid, rid of the information. That's what the CBD does. And the THC comes in and kills the pain. So I think, you know, I like to present it to the NFL if it's, if it's possible. Uh, I want to present it to the OU staff, which they're interested in, in since they're in a legal state. And uh, it's just a better way to get off these, these uh, opiates and, and all these, and I, I know people have died from all these different uh, pain medicines that the doctor has given them. You know, the reason, Marcus, that I love you so much and your story is because you came from one of the most racist parts of the United States. And the story, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Bull Connor involved with all this stuff here too, with, with people that, you know, you're in Mississippi and you know, he was friends with the sheriff that was in your community back in the day. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that it was one of the most racially charged areas that you were in. And I'm just wondering, as you go through your life right now and you're seeing all the things going around in America, how you see things today? Because, I mean, Marcus, that community loves you right now. I mean, and if I'm not mistaken, the sheriff in that town was one of the most racist cops uh, of all time, but yet he ended up giving you a job after, you know, you were done playing. Just expand on that a little bit and maybe what's going on in our country right now. Well, uh, uh, it, it, the guy 
I was friends with the song. We, we started uh, my class with the first integrated class to go through 12 years of integration in Philadelphia. Uh, where I was friends with his son. I used to go to their house. I used to see his mom at the drugstore. Uh, it, I mean, I think he might have just got caught up in a, a peer pressure situation because he's a good guy. I know him. He's passed away since, but I still talk to his son. He texts me every day. We talk, talk back and forth. Uh, I didn't realize what I was doing there in Mississippi. I mean, in Philadelphia, I was just playing ball as a kid, trying to get along with everybody. My mom's school teacher. My grandfather was a minister. Uh, just they just they were people that got along with everybody. We didn't. You know, my mom didn't teach me color. My grandfather didn't either. But she still said you got to be aware of what's going on. And you know, me coming through. I never got called in where maybe once one time, maybe I can think of, but I was friends with everybody and just, I don't know if it's just being naive or just trying to be good people, good to everybody. So, uh, it has changed somewhat. We still got more changing to do in Philadelphia. Uh, but it is definitely have changed. It's not anything like it was, but in the, and then to see the stuff that's going on now, I would have never thought in my life, the rest of my life, that I would see something that was going on 30 years ago or uh, 40 years ago going on right now as bad as it's going on right now. Wow. That's a big statement because back then, if you just look at the newsreels, you know how bad it was back in those days. Marcus, I have just tremendous respect for you. You know this. Um, anytime you need me for anything, please just let me know. And I so thank you for coming aboard. Thank you, Marcus. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you. I keep up with you. I watch those Miami Hurricanes all the time. I know old players. And I got to get rock. I'm doing my, my – I'm starting up my podcast. will be called Fourth and 22. But we're going to do a lot of live shows like you're doing right now. I'd rather do live shows where, where I can – I can also have a machine here that we can accept phone calls. I want to be able to talk to people, not just sit in front of a ca camera and, and, and just, you know, record stuff. I like to, you know, see what people are saying. I like to be hands-on with people, and I guess I'm just a people person, man. I don't know. So we can make take are. phone calls on 4th and 22. Whenever we get started, we're waiting on one piece of equipment, but I like your show, and I want to emulate what you're doing right now where we can talk back and forth, man. That's well, what that's, I want to do. That's a, that's a first, okay? Emulating what I'm doing, dude. I have a great respect for you. Marcus, I'll catch up with you in a couple hours, brother. I love you, man. I'll talk to you Thank soon. You. Well, man, we can get the rock on the show. Can you smile? Put the rock. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Marcus. Talk to you soon, man. That is Marcus Dupree. All right, we'll take a brief time out. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods. 
the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. What an interesting life Marcus Dupree lives has lived one of the most recruited guys in the history of college football fred Akers, the former texas longhorn coach said he had a rule called the 20 foot rule all you need is 20 feet of game film and you know whether or not this guy is a superstar and he just said this recruiting marcus dupree is one of the most incredible things you've ever seen in your life if you ever get a chance to watch that 30 for 30 and you see the kind of talent. And by the way, he did that when he got to Oklahoma too. I mean, he just ran everybody over. And it was really – it. and these are the kind of people that I love bringing to our show. You know, people that maybe you don't know their story on why they never achieved the greatness. I've talked to Barry Switzer before about Marcus Supri. Biggest failure, he says, in the history of his coaching career was the way he handled Marcus. And could Marcus have been one of the top five running backs in the history of the National Football League? Absolutely. There is no question. And I've said this to him, and you just heard me say it just a couple minutes ago. If Marcus Dupree is on those Oklahoma teams that I played against back in the day, we beat them. By the way, you want to know something? Oklahoma, in a three-year span that I played against them, they were 33-3. and You know who their three losses were to? Our teams. And if they had that guy on the team with Keith Jackson, who ended up going on and playing for the Philadelphia Eagles and all those great football players they had at OU at the time, I'm telling you, man, that may have been a different outcome 
because he was a war horse, not just a workhorse. And his 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 career was just he see that's the kind of athlete you have to know when you're coaching someone. You can't just coach the same as someone else. And you know, to give Coach Switzer a pass on this, when you have so many superstar players that go into your organization and goes into your program, what happens is you start to talk to them the same way. Because get get this, if that guy doesn't pan out, you've got another Marcus Dupree right behind him. By the way, one of the greatest games he ever played, he had 250 yards in the Fiesta Bowl at the half. And you're, you're like, Jesus, cry me to this guy. And the failure of the coach, you know, and years later, there's no doubt, okay, if that thing was handled differently, Dupree goes on and wins a Heisman. Dupree would have went on to be the first pick in the draft. In my opinion, he would have been a first pick. He had that kind of talent. I've been on a football field with numerous great running backs. He's one of them. That guy can play, man. And to see his journey and the fact that he went into the USFL because, and that was a great thing about that league too. You know what was really cool about that league? That league was cool because it gave players options. And the one thing that guys didn't have back in the day was the fact that you had leverage. And just for a brief stint when that league was in existence, the USFL gave the NFL players, it gave them leverage because back then there was no free agency. Reggie White was the guy who really started free agency. That move from Philadelphia to Green Bay is why you see guys to this day moving and going on and playing in different places. Reggie was really the forerunner to making this whole thing happen. Make no mistake about that. So to hear his story and to hear him now he's doing movies, um, he's got a cannabis company. You know what happens after you leave the sport? You know, you become, you know, cool with what you're doing in your life because eventually that just becomes part of your life. And so I just, I, I love to hear stories like where those guys are today, you know, where are they now kind of stuff. And to hear him that he was part of that whole thing with the USFL and his journey from Oklahoma into now being a businessman slash actor, I think it's cool. And do me a favor. It's one of the greatest 30 for 30s you'll ever watch. Okay, we're going to try to run down our friend O.J. Anderson. Talk about another interesting guy. And O.J. is a guy where he is, you know, we just, I, we, you talk about a journey that Marcus Dupree was on and he just got through explaining it. I can't wait to explain this journey here with our next friend, O.J. Anderson. And he joins us now, the New York Giant legend. He joins us now here on the National Football Show. O.J., how you doing, man? What's going on? How you doing, O.J.? Hear you. All good, man? Yeah, you came across loud. Then all of a sudden you went out. <laughs> are, are we good? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yep, all good. Okay, let's see if we can fix this up here. Maybe we can get the technical difficulties uh, fixed here in a second. We'll get it all back up here in a second. You talk about a journey. OJ was the rookie of the year in the National Football League. He ended up going on and winning an MVP award. 
He led the NFL in rushing his rookie year when he was in St. Louis with the Cardinals. Goes through this great run. All of a sudden, there's a coaching change. And OJ's numbers and his resume, three Super Bowl rings, all those accolades, plus then he would go on and perform in a Super Bowl, and he would win the Super Bowl Most Valuable Player. We got him back here with us now, our friend OJ Anderson. How you doing, OJ? I'm doing well. How you doing? All good. OJ, I'm going to start it out here. We just heard an interesting story from Marcus Dupree, and now we're going to hear your story. And I just got through throwing people the accolades that you have. I, wa I want to ask you this. Why do you think you have to consistently keep pimping your resume to get any kind of consideration when we're talking potential Hall of Fame status for you? Well, I, I think because of the era that I played in, most of the writers who remember my career are no longer around. And and I think these new guys are looking at these current guys and they're basing uh, their stats on what they're doing and not what somebody like me had done. Uh, when I retired, I was eighth leading rush in the history of the NFL. And because of how long I've been out, different guys have passed me and, and I've been overlooked. But the, the stats and all speak for itself. But I think that's probably the reason why the – those young guys are looking at the, these young guys. That's who they grew up with. That's who they based in their their um, nominations by. Yeah, but when you look at your resume, Rookie of the Year, MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Super Bowl MVP, three Super Bowl rings, 10,000 rushing yards, you were the major runner when it came to playing um, with those giant teams that would go on and win those Super Bowls. I mean, how do you, how do you bypass all that on the resume? Well, you would think you shouldn't. I mean, if you think of who's in the Hall of Fame and who just got in the Hall of Fame in the running back position, my stats are so much better. But again, I was played in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I played in three decades. Some guys played in one, some played in two, and and they're they're reaping the benefits of uh of of being uh current and me being a late bloomer, I guess. Let me throw this at you too. You know, we we've talked about this in the past, OJ. How much of it also was organizationally that maybe derailed your career a little bit when it came to decision makings on personnel decisions? How are they going to use you? Whether or not you were still with gas in the gas can? How, how much of that do you think also played into how people maybe had a perception of you once you left the league? Well, you know, when I when I was in St. Louis, uh, other than the two strikes that was uh, in my career. I rushed for a thousand yards plus every year. Uh, for seven years, I did, and the years I didn't run it, we had a short season. So, if you're talking about gas in the tank, well, those those strikes, yeah, did they hurt me? Yes, but did they help me longevity-wise? Sure, it did. And then when I got traded to the Giants in '86, well, the Giants were already a team that was ready to go to the Super Bowl. All I had to do was not screw it up, which I didn't. Which I did. I didn't screw it up. And I didn't get much run. If you look at my 86 stats was when I left the Cardinals, that was all the running I really did. 86, I maybe had, what, 100 yards, if that much, uh, for the for the remaining seven games, the plus playoff and Super Bowl. So I didn't do anything. And then uh, in 87 was the short season where I, did, um, I didn't get much playing time. And then 88, I was short yardage and goal line. Where I and that was late in the season, and then '89 I became a starter. And when I've been a starter and it's been a full season, I went over a thousand yards. And then after that, I was I was coaching. I was player coach. 
to Rodney Hampton and Lewis Tillman, Dave Maggot. You know, that's where I was for from uh, 90, 91, 92. I was coaching. So it's 14 years, yes, in the league, but my stats are based on the years that I actually played, which which if you look at, you can see um, I match my stats with anybody in the Hall of Fame. My first seven years, anybody in the Hall of Fame, I don't care who they are, I put my stats up in, against them. Absolutely. There's no question about it. I, I'll ask you this, though. Um, do you look at yourself as a Cardinal or a Giant? Um, I, I'm. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one because, um, you know, the, the Cardinals gave me my birth, but I think most people probably remember me. Again, you're talking about the second part of my career, more as a Giant, winning two Super Bowls, being MVP of the Super Bowl. The people who knew me in my beginning, they are so much older and maybe not even around. They don't remember, you know, the, 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 they remember, but the people who follow me from the Giants, they know nothing about my Cardinal years. So I think most people are going to remember me more as a Card as a Giant than they are Cardinal. No, 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 no. You're not getting off the hook that easy. How do you <laughs> see yourself? Uh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna hey, before we go. Look at it. Look at us here, OJ. Look at it. Look at us here. Okay, my uncle, my uncle, Zandy Robustelli, right? And he. You are one of his absolute favorite football players, and he told me this. And he goes, "I loved him. What's a giant? Always a giant." But that's true. How do that's you true. see yourself? Well, I agree. I have to say again, you know, uh, the Cardinals gave me my birth, which was seven <laughs> years of, of, of a great year. I mean, I, what Cardinals? I I was rookie of the year. I was uh, um, player of the, of the year. Um, I was over 1,600 yards, lost a rushing talent to Walter Payne by five yards. I ended my career with the Giants, with the Cardinals, almost 8,000 yards, I think 7,999 yards or something like that. Um, you know, I, I had a great start. You know, it, it gave me who I am. It helped me find my identity. But I have to say that when I got to the Giants, I became more of a household name because I played against the Giants so much. And everybody saw me twice a year. So I was that villain that they hated until they got me on their team. And then being a part of the first Super Bowl. But the second Super Bowl, really, when the Giants fell in love with me, it was 89. When I went over 1,000 yards, we've been, we were in the playoffs again. And then 90 finishing up after Rodney got hurt. So they they both are important in my life. But if I go in, I'm, probably, I'm going in, in in giant blue, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Hey, o OJ, what do you what do you think of the get the running backs today and how you know when 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 you hear media people saying they're de-emphasizing, it's funny. I I tell people this: if you don't have a horse in the backfield, you ain't winning Super Bowls, man. I mean, I don't. Sure. You can have all them dudes on the perimeter, but if you don't have a horse back there like Derrick Henry, you're not going to win. Look what he does with Tennessee. Tennessee is a it's a mediocre passing attack, and yet. This guy put in the last two years, he put him in the playoffs, he put him in an AFC championship game. I mean, how do you see the running backs of today? Um, you, you're right. Derrick Henry is a beast, and uh, he brings it hard head every day to work. Um, that situation where that he had more help, I think their team would be uh, you know, closer to getting to the Super Bowl than what they have been. But you need a, you, you need somebody to control the ball. They're, 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 the, the league have made the game – more pass happy friendly, and you can see why there are so many guys who are throwing up crazy numbers as receivers and tight ends and 
all that kind of stuff because it, it ain't about the running game no more. It's about how many yards can they throw for and the yards after catch is what you're looking at. So, um, yeah, you're going to win a lot of games, but when it comes down to Super Bowl and playoff, and depends on what league you're in and the weather condition plays a, a, a big uh, a difference, you need to have a horse. And uh, the one who does, that's the one normally come out on top. What do you make of Saquon Barkley? Do you think he's a feature back? Well, he has been until he got hurt. Um, I think he's still learning how to become a pro. Um, but um, he has his work cut out for him. Um, but potential is off the chart. What do you think of the direction of the Giants? I love the direction. I think this year draft really solidifies some things for us. Um, I, I think giving Daniel Jones an opportunity to have some legitimate weapons that can stretch the field uh, going to make us more competitive than we have been. And when you bring Barkley back healthy, when you go five wide and you throw him in there and go four wide and put him in there, and now you got to figure out who's going to cover him. So it really gives us a lot of good opportunities and a lot of times opportunity to put points on the board. What do you make of Coach Judge? I think he's the right fit for us. Huh? I, I, believe, I believe coming from that Belichick tree, we, we know what his trees have been like. I mean, you started with Bill Parcells and look at what all of Bill's Parcells' disciples has done. Now look at what Belichick's disciples are doing. So um, we we got a good we got a good one. We got a good one in Joe. Joe's I think he's fair. I think the organization loved the way he coached the players. I think the way he get the players to perform for him because that's the key. You got to get the players to believe in your philosophy, and that way they'll do anything for you. You know, hey, finally here. You know, I um. I, I, I always hear people always comparing people to Lawrence Taylor, and I see you guys doing a lot of stuff. You guys have a lot of – have some great pictures on my LinkedIn, and yeah. I just go, geez, man, these two guys in the same room. They're just supposed to be war stories going everywhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just, 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 just briefly tell people, again, being around a guy like that in his heyday when he was running the league, I mean, I, I, I tell people this. You know what? OJ, I used to watch, you know, the old VHSs, you know, when we were doing our game preparation. I'm going like this. This dude's in a different speed. There's just something different about this dude compared to everybody else. That's true. Lawrence is, is a breed that only come around every every so often if you're lucky to get one. I guess Derek Thomas probably would have been the closest to what Lawrence is. Unfortunately, he, you know, his death was – his career was shortened with death. But um, when I hear people start talking about the next LT, this and that, nah. It's only one large teller. And you can see that as you walk around today, when he and I together, and as we do our business together, um, he's, a, he's an icon. He, he's the GOAT. He, he commands respect. He commands attention. Uh, unwanted, but he, he, he does. And, and it's just great being with him. And you know, I, I think anybody that's that that know know Lawrence would know that uh, if he likes you, he'll give your shirt off his back. He'll do anything for you. So we become not only great teammates, but we're starting to become real, real close in business and as a friend. Life is good then after football. We're having fun. We're having fun. <laughs> OJ, it's always great catching up with you, man. I mean, 
I keep making the pitch every time I get Jason Cole and I get Rick Goslin and I get all these guys on and they start talking to me about Hall of Famers. I'm like, hey, dude, I could give you a, a list, an arm long of the accomplishments of O.J. Anderson and like, oh, yeah. And I'm going like, Hoss, man, it can't be, oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, right? Hey, O.J., thank you so much, my man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, man, and thanks, man. Keep, 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 keep hope alive for me, and hopefully they'll figure it out and uh, put me in there because I've definitely been sitting around long enough for it. Absolutely, OJ. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, brother. No problem. Bye, bye. You got it, man. That is OJ Anderson, and I do believe he belongs in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Legendary career. We'll take a brief time out. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Great to catch up with OJ Anderson. Marcus Dupree had a fabulous story earlier on. Don't forget, do us a favor. Like the show and share the show. Please do that. You can also get all of our shows right there on the National Football Show's uh, channel. You can send it out to everybody over the holiday. That's the beautiful thing, too, that, you know, over the weekend, you get a chance to, like, maybe catch up on an episode maybe that you missed. I love what we're doing here with our new format. And we got to thank everybody at the Jacob Media Channel, too. So we thank everybody, our guy, Xander and all the people like Cal and everybody and Big Joe making it happen here for us too. So, by the way, we're going to have an interesting conversation coming up here with Steve Earhart, the executive director of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. That's not what we're really going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the USFL. He opened up the newspaper like everybody did on Thursday, and it was news to him that the league was starting back up again. And he's like, uh, yeah, we own pretty much. And we're going to, by the way, I'm saying this because I took a little, you know, a, a, a few lines out of the article saying that they own the property rights. They own, you know, the exclusive rights to the logos and stuff. And Fox sports came out and it's on their Fox sports PR Twitter page that even Doug Flutie came out that it's going to be the same names of the teams it's going to be the jerseys. They're even using the old USFL logo, the red, white, and blue logo, USFL. They're going to have that on the – I mean, okay, what's going on here? Now, Steve Woods owns this uh, spring league, and he's supposedly going to be running it. Now, I'll give you guys some insight here. I reached out to him yesterday, and I asked him to come on. He said they're not doing any interviews for the next week or so. What does that mean? Does that mean that they're going to have a powwow with, you know, the guys who still kind of get this, some of the partners that still have the rights of the old USFL would stop playing football in 85. They still get a royalties check where the merchandise that's sold. And so there's a group of men that still get a royalty check for all that merchandise that's sold, like whatever um, outfitter has the old USFL, and he, I, I, I read a little bit about it today, and he said it's not a giant check, but they still get royalty fees for it. So if you're saying, if you're Fox Sports saying that you now own the league, who did you buy the league from? And our very first question is going to be, so Steve, the USFL's back? How How is this back without you guys giving it your blessing? So we'll talk to him, and uh, he's at a golf event for the Liberty Bowl. We'll also kind of brief, briefly talk to him a little bit about college football expansion too because he's knee-deep into that as well. And we will talk to Steve Earhart. That'll be here in a couple minutes. I want to get into something that's really cool here. And one of my favorite people that I've ever had the pleasure of meeting in the National Football League was Ozzie Newsom, the one-time general manager of the Baltimore Ravens and also the Hall of Fame tied in for the Cleveland Browns. What one of the absolutely greatest people you could ever run into. One of the best talent evaluators. Think of this for a minute. So when he was running the Browns slash the Ravens, this is the guy that drafted Ray Lewis. This is the guy that drafted Ed Reed. 
This is the guy that drafted Terrell Suggs. This is the guy that drafted Bryant McKinney, Jamal Lewis, all them players that they had. Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson. All these are Ozzie Newsom's guys. These are all perennial all pros and not just good players. I'm not even naming the really good players that they had on that team. I'm talking about sensational Hall of Fame type players. Okay, bringing guys like Anquan Bolden into the team. This guy won a couple Super Bowls as the general manager of the team as well. Hiring John Harbaugh. How about this? Back in the day, when you were looking at hiring a Harbaugh, I don't know how many people thought John Harbaugh, a special teams coach, was on high on their list when you had Jim rolling around with his khakis and everybody out there is going, did you hire the better Harbaugh? Funny, get this. If you had to look at it today, John Harbaugh is the better Harbaugh coach, isn't he? Look at, look at the success he's had in Baltimore. I mean, they love the guy. The Biscotti family has been absolutely one of the best ownerships that you could possibly have. And he took over for Modell. Let's not forget, you know, all the things that Art had to deal with when he relocated the team from Cleveland to Baltimore. Everybody was like this. Hey, it's a, it's a money grab. It had nothing to do with anything else other than a money grab. Well, get this. That Baltimore team now is part of that community. And I've had great conversations with Steve, the owner of the team, and he loves Baltimore. And that is so important, I think, when you're talking about ownership of a community when you have a team planted right in the middle of a city like that that's so diverse when it comes to the racial makeup. That team, when they moved there, okay, maybe Art Modell saw the writing on the wall that this is someplace that they needed to put the team. They've built the area up around the stadium. Hell, I go back every single time I can for the Army-Navy game. You know, they hold it in Philly, and they hold it in Baltimore, and they kind of switch off on the stadiums. They've been kind of going around the country a little bit. I know they went to San Diego, but pretty much that Army-Navy game was either played in Baltimore um, at the Ravens' home or at the link in Philly. And I've been to both places. And the Ravens are just an absolute amazing franchise. Well, Steve Biscotti and his family donated $4 million to the HBCU schools of Maryland. And this was all in honor of Ozzie Newsom and Ozzie's impact that he had not only in the community, but also in the National Football League and also what he meant to the Ravens. Isn't that cool that you get a organization that thanks you, okay, that thanks you because of your service and what you meant. Oh, by the way, he also, Ozzie Newsom, helped Ray Rice. I'll get to that in a minute here. Ozzie Newsom's impact. By the way, Ozzie didn't go to an HBCU college, historically black university. He went to Alabama. He played for Bear Bryant. Ozzie played for Coach Bryant. Okay? And the impact that he had now in that community is just incredible. It's like some of this money will go to Maryland Eastern Shore and some of the black schools and the high schools also in those communities. And this is all because of Ozzie. It's, it's, it's just tremendous. And just a small story 
of what Ozzie Newsom did. Remember the Ray Rice story, right? Knocking his girlfriend out, punching her in the face. Media went nuts. Rightfully so. Was tarnished for the rest of his life and should be. Was a staple in that community was Ray Rice. The family loved him. Ozzie loved him. What did the Ravens do? Did they kick him away from the program? No. Did they play him again? No. Do you know what Ray did? Ray went because, get this, ownership and Ozzie wanted to try to get him back on the field. Do you know what Ray did? Ray goes to ownership and to Ozzie Newsom and says, you know what, man? I got to work on being a better man. I just got to work on being a better man. I can't have something like that on my resume and not being a better man. By the way, I respect Ray Rice, and I'm going to show you why and tell you why. At the time, it was his girlfriend when he punched her in the face. And you know what he is now? He's a spokesperson for the National Football League on what not to do. That's what that Ravens franchise means. I really love that Ravens franchise. This is going to be now, as we transition over to this, one of my favorite stories. I Because I... I want to get to the skinny of this here. Steve Earhart's with us now, the executive director of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl and at one time the executive director of the USFL. I appreciate you coming aboard, Steve. Thank you so much. Well, glad to be here with you. This is high tech here. This is really uh, impressive here, Dan. So uh, glad <laughs> to be here with you. So, yeah, we're uh, here, and you can see there's a this is a mural on our wall behind of the full stadium here at Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium here in Memphis, where the Memphis Showboats once played here. And uh, we now have the AutoZone Liberty Bowl college football game. But glad to be here with you, Dan. I know you got a golf tournament. We're going to hit on all that here because I got lengthy questions here for you. And I want, so I guess the USFL's back, right, Steve? Well, we'll see what happens on that, you know, and, and the USFL and you, you certainly have a football guy who's been around for a long time, but there were so many people that worked so hard. And as I said, put their uh, blood, sweat, tears, and fortune into the USFL back, you know, what it's almost on our 40th year anniversary, but people worked so hard to develop a great product. And we were on a par in a lot of ways with the, uh, with the NFL kind of game. We had some great players. I mean, I've got a full, wall of Reggie White's jerseys. And, you know, he, he went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I once told the Philadelphia Eagles owner, he's not only better than anybody you got on the team, he may be better than anybody in the whole doggone NFL, you know. And, of course, they didn't believe me until Reggie then, uh, you know, led the led the entire league in sacks. But, uh, yeah, no, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, those of us around the, you know, the USFL, then there's many still around. I mean, you guys down there in Florida, I mean, Jim McVay runs the Outback Bowl. He worked with the Tampa Bay Bandits. I got a call today from uh, uh, the lawyer for the Tampa Bay Bandits organization and said, what's going on? And I said, it was a surprise because over the last uh, 35 years since uh, the, the infamous trial, which we can talk about, uh, many people have tried to jump in and say, well, let's, let's jump on the USFL, uh, you know, high quality uh, I guess the visibility we had and the great results that we had. And we've, we've never really said, uh, 
hey, you can just have these rights or, you know, sell the rights. What we've tried to do is uh, hang on to the, the great legacy of the USL. Not, not that we're not open to working with, with somebody or some entity or whether it's Fox TV, if they're serious about trying to really do this in a classy and really successful kind of way. And as we know, there's been many different uh, attempts over the last 30 years to start a spring league. And, and we've looked at most of them. They've come to us and none of them were well enough funded, whether it was the early XFL, whether it was the AAF. I mean, Steve Spurrier coached it for a while, but of course we knew they were going to run out of money, which they did pretty quickly. And uh, so uh, what we're going to try and do is dig into this, see who's this new guy that says he owns the rights. Uh, he didn't get them from anybody that worked in the league. I've had, as I say, Carl Peterson, who you know, who was the president, uh, part owner of the Philadelphia Baltimore Stars, who won the title, went on to be the president of the Chiefs for many years. Talked with him, Bob Caparello, president of the Breakers. I talked to, as I say, the Tampa, Jerry Sklar, president of the Birmingham Stallions, and none of them have said that they had, they had transferred any rights to this guy. So uh, we're going to have to dig into it. I'll, I need to reach out to Fox and see really uh, what they're thinking about here. So uh, whether it's back or not remains to be seen. This is crazy. I mean, I guess the guy's name is Brian Woods. I reached out to him too with this spring league and I wanted to get him on and they're not taking any interviews right now. Now I know why, because he's under the assumption that he has the rights to the USFL and for Fox to jump the line like that. I knew, like you said here, Steve, I knew that you guys still have royalty checks. They're not gigantic, but I know certain guys because of the merchandise that you guys still make money on. There's a group of you guys that are still like guarding this thing here. And you guys, I've heard people, I've talked to Carl Peterson about this, where Carl has said to me, he goes, you know, we're looking to see if there's a partner that maybe we can go into uh, business with. But why would Fox and another entity think that they own the rights to the USFL when obviously they don't? Well, and that's what we need to dig into. And, you know, I got a lot of respect for Fox and I'm, I'm going to be reaching out to Fox, Eric Shanks, the, uh, you know, the president of the sports there. And, and our, our attitude is not to be, uh, you know, antagonistic or angry or legalistic. We just want to say, look, there was such a great legacy. Here we are nearly 40 years later and people, the people that are old as I am, you know, still remember it, but even a, a new generation respects the great players that played in the league. I, I had a call from a, a guy the other day that said, uh, you know, he's thinking about doing a book on one of the most inspirational players he's ever known. And it was Sam Mills, you know, the great undersized linebacker. And, and you know, there's so many great legacies that we want to protect that. We don't want somebody to just come in and, you know, do a half, oh, I guess that half. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I don't want to say the half, the half A word, you know. And and so we're we're going to be conciliatory. And if anybody from Fox is watching this, we're, we're not here trying to be antagonistic or pull lawyers out or anything like that. We just say, if it's going to be done right, let's get back to the people like uh, Carl Peterson. You know, here's, he's going to be a Hall of Fame general manager, having put the Kansas City Chiefs on the map. Uh, you know, let's let's get the people that really gave the blood, sweat and tears and investment into the original USFL. You know, we had a an un, unbelievable end of the situation with the trial. I've, I've still got the doggone three three dollar and seventy six cents check check. I keep in the safety deposit box. I was just about to donate it to the uh to the Hall of Fame here, but I've, I've hung on to it, I guess, somewhat sentimental. But, uh, you know, with the uh, the Tampa Bay Bandits lawyer called me a few minutes ago, and he's the grandson, I guess, of one of the owners. I said, well, I, I found some old documents with 
checks on your name, Earhart. And I said, holy cow, that's that's a long time ago because that was when when I was the last uh, chairman of the executive committee and we were dispersing the attorney's fees, monies that everybody had thrown in when we got into that uh, that crazy lawsuit with the NFL. So you're absolutely right. And Dan, and I appreciate you speaking about it because, you know, there's always room for some, you know, great football. There's what every year, 5,000 young men come out who aspire to play professional football. The NFL is certainly at the top of their game right now, but there's room for, you know, other players and coaches. There's great coaches around when down from your area, Steve Spurrier, you know, he jumped in with the Alliance of American football. He knew it might not be a long, long deal and he was right, but uh, he coached his tail off and got their team, uh, I think, into the you know, the winner's circle there uh, with the Tampa team a couple of the, three years ago. And the uh, so there's a coaches and players that would like to have an opportunity. Steve, are you open? Are you guys open to doing business with Fox and this uh, Woods guy here where you guys may look at this? But again, I mean, it's got to be a dialogue here for them just to jump the gun like that. And the reason that I'm getting you on I also want to be protective of that league because many of those players, and quite frankly, they had my rights, and I thought of even playing for the Renegades or the Bandits. And I look at what you guys did. It's an easy sell. You guys branded everything. I mean, the Stars, the Michigan Panthers. I mean, everyone knows the names, the Denver Gold, the Wranglers. I mean, the XFL is going to have a tough putt when it comes to branding. You guys put all your backbone into that. And for an entity just to come out and say, well, we're, hey, we're going forward with it. And I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. Then I read that article where you went, that's news to me. Are you open, though, for dialogue? Well, I certainly with with Fox, uh, you know, we have great respect for Fox. I, I know some of the folks at uh, Fox Sports and they do a great job uh, with the NFL and with college football. None of us on this side of the fence uh, know this fellow Woods. And but, you know, we're open to talk to him. But I mean, it takes deep pockets to get into this game, as these other entities have found out, whether it was XFL or American Alliance with their name, the AAF or the XFL. Now it's looking like it's here's a third iteration of the XFL. And if if somebody has the, the dedication and the deep pockets to make it work, yes, we're, we're open to it because I say it's and I, I'm so proud to be on with you, Dan, because, you know, your enthusiasm, you remember the names. I mean, that's terrific. And and we were just talking here over the last year or so about, you know, it's about time for us to have our 40th anniversary of the founding of the league. I know back in 1982. So that's coming up next year that when we we were having meetings and, you know, talking about what could we do here and went to New York and, uh, you know, bought some chairs and tables and then got going. But we really, as you said, Dan, everybody really gave of themselves and it wasn't just a, uh, I don't want to say fly by night or anybody else, but we really busted our tails to put together something that was really something that would be a great to be prideful of and to have a great legacy and, and the kind of players. And even today, and again, I'm proud that you remember all these folks, Dan, that, uh, you know, when they look back at it and say, wow, that was a great experience. We don't want to have anybody sully the name, so to speak, and go in there and then have it blow up trying to use our name. But yeah, I don't know if anybody has listened out there that knows that, but you know, around, uh, you know, trademarking and all that stuff, it's kind of a morass there, but uh, for the last 37 years, since we've down, we've kind of, we've kept in business, so to speak. I've got a little bank account. I was elected to be the last guy to kind of disperse the monies and that kind of thing. So we've always kept a little bank account. We've done some licensing. And so we've been continuously, 
in a low key, you know, trying to protect protect the the mark, so to speak. Again, we're not trying to make this a legalistic thing. And if somebody really wants to, you know, lock arms and say, let's make sure that this great legacy is respected. Wow, these people do not own the USFL. You guys do, and I'll do everything in my power to make sure that that message gets out there because I know what you guys did. I know how hard it was to keep that league afloat, and you guys, I am a huge fan of it. Now, I'll ask you this. You think there is a passion for spring football? You know, that's that's a great question, Dan, and I've been living that uh, for 35, 40 years, you know. Because, Steve, am I right? That was, that was really besides the NFL telling the networks once you guys went to the fall, and I know a little bit of the background, they told the networks you aired the USFL, our relationship with you will no longer be, and that's kind of what the Death Star was for the USFL when you guys went into the fall. So in the spring, do you think it could work? Well, here, here's this. These are facts. Now, back in and when we kicked off in 1983, and you know nobody really knew about us, but there were some really good people. I'll, I'll use the Carl Peterson example. Here's one of the great personnel guys of all time. You know, and put together the Philadelphia Stars, and they won the title the first year. Oh, no, wait, the Michigan Panthers beat them. The yeah, first Michigan year. Panthers did. Michigan Panthers with Anthony Carter uh, beat them that first year. But then the Pan, then the Stars won the next two years. But you know, there was. Uh, starting from ground zero and in that first springtime of 1983 we outrated major league baseball so there was certainly uh you know some success there in the springtime i can remember the first few weeks of really great ratings but we ended up the first year with very solid ratings that were better than basically anything else in the springtime and so then we went into the second year and we expanded. We brought in the Houston Gamblers, the Pittsburgh Maulers, you know, the the or down in your area, the Jacksonville uh, uh, Bulls there, and, and Larry Zonka was the uh, you know the general manager down there, and 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 we. Some people say, well, we expanded too fast, and then there was too much pressure economically. Maybe we did, maybe we didn't, but then when we got into the third year, and of course a lot of people have written about it, Donald Trump bought the generals. He was numb. People forget. He was not the owner the first year. Walter Duncan, the Oklahoma oil man, who was a wonderful man, he's since passed away. He was the guy that when he and I were down in Georgia under assumed names, you know, signing Herschel Walker and, and Herschel to this day still loved uh, Walter. And, and Herschel does have a close relationship with Donald Trump. No question. Oh, no, he was that. on a couple days ago, Steve, and he said one of his most treasured times was being a general and said he loved playing for Donald Trump. Oh, that, that, that's great news to hear. So, and I have, I have a lot of respect for Donald. Uh, people, you know, Donald, <laughs> half the people love him, half the people don't, you know, but, right. but Donald, he, his mission was to play in the, in the fall. Now he had a different pressure because he was up there in New York city and the, you know, the giants and the jets controlled the football marketplace up there. It's, it's not really a college town. It's a pro town. And, and as the folks in New York are watching this, they understand that. I mean, there, it's not like some of the areas here down in the South where college football is, is so dominant. And, and so he had different pressures and felt strongly that they had to play in the fall and go head to head against the general, I mean, the giants and the jets. And remember he signed Lawrence Taylor away yep, from yeah, he did. That's right. And, uh, you know, and he built a great program. He brought in Doug Flutie and, uh, you know, they had some great players there and that went on to play in the NFL. And so there was certainly a dichotomy there between, you know, the desire by some of the owners and led by Donald to 
feel they had to go head to head in the fall and uh, other owners who felt, well, if we just stay in the springtime, you know, we can survive well because if we can get good enough players and coaches, which we did have at the time, I mean, I believe, Dan, you may have the stats, but after we went down in 1985, there were like 176 players that went straight into the NFL. 13 guys were made, 13 guys made the Pro Bowl the next year after the um, USFL went on, went under, get this, 13 players were named to the NFL's Pro Bowl. Yeah, so that and that's the very best player there. I mean, uh, down, down here, our little old Memphis Showboats team, we had two two defensive linemen, Sam Clancy, who, you know, Pittsburgh. Played with the Browns. He went, he went to the Browns, and then Reggie White, of course, went to the Eagles, and then on to Green Bay, and then the Sharp. Those two guys – the next seven or eight years in the NFL, they had more sacks than any other two players in the league. And we had them both on our team, you know, the defensive lineman on the Memphis showboat. So, you know, we have a lot of pride down in this part of the country and the showboats who still have a great name down here in the Memphis area. So to answer your question directly, yes, there are some, there's some capabilities to, to, in my opinion, if it's done right, but it can't be done at halfway, you can't go in with, underfinance, like a lot of businesses in the country, your, your listeners or your viewers will know this, whatever business in, you can't be underfinanced and then, and make it work and then run out of the money because you have to get the loyalty of the fans and the sponsors and, and that kind of thing. So uh, yes, I believe there is a way it can be done. It's a, it's a tough battle now and, and nobody can challenge the NFL now. They, I mean, they're so powerful. We, we could have, we could go head to head and sign the Reggie whites of the world back then because you know, when the USFL came along, uh, the NFL wasn't paying very big salaries. I mean, right. uh, Mich Michigan Panthers, I think, went out that first year and their owner, Alfred Taubman, some of your listeners remember, you know, Alfred Taubman, a uh, great shopping center guy. He went out and signed the Pittsburgh offensive line. I think three of the uh, Super Bowl champion linemen uh, was it Banasak and uh, McGriff and a couple yep. other guys. Again, yep. you probably remember their names. I played against these guys. Yeah, I, yeah. You remember those guys. So, um, but I don't know that we can go out and say we can go sign away a Heisman winner like Herschel Walker now. Or but Mike Rozier. Yeah, we, we signed, again, people forget, three straight years we signed the Heisman Trophy winner. It's Herschel and then uh, Mike Rozier and Doug Flutie. We, three straight years we signed the Heisman Trophy winner. So we had great credibility. Now, can that be achieved again? Probably not because the NFL has got so much money. But if somebody like a Fox decides, hey, you know, we're better off instead of paying these billions of dollars to the NFL. Uh, can we start a competitor league? And this is America. Entrepreneurship uh, is there. And, and there's there's plenty of folks that would love to. Do. There's plenty of great coaches. I mean, I, mean I, I think of some of the pioneering coaches in the NFL. I mean, June Jones, for one. June, you know, he and Mouse Davis had the run and shoot, you know, and then uh, Spurrier, Bandit Ball. I mean, Steve went on and took that and to great heights there. And you know, we had great coaches and great players and, and great loyalty to the fans. So can that be achieved again? It's going to take some serious money and serious commitment and not some kind of deal where, hey, we're just hoping we can, you know, scare up some investor types, to, which is what a lot of these leagues over the last uh, 20 years have tried to do. I'd be remiss if I didn't get into some college football here with you too, because you're also the executive director of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Like you said, the picture behind you here, you know, and you hear people constantly talking about expanding. I know that Mike McVeigh, he's a dear friend of mine. I worked with him also with the Outback Bowl. And I know that the executive directors are completely against 
not having a bowl season, if it's going to take away the bowl games, because these events, you're holding an event right now, this, this weekend, your golf event, which raises money. And it's also a community thing. These bowl games are just not for the games. They're also for the community and some of the things that you guys do. How important is it to keep the bowl integrity and yet try to expand college football? How is that balance, Steve, when you're trying to do that and also keep the integrity of the Liberty Bowl? Well, Dan, you are right on track. Of I wish you could bring your, your thoughts here to the forefront because what most people in the media, and I'm not criticizing anybody, they don't realize the impact that bowl games have on the vast number of student athletes and including the the entire university community. Now, for those people that are just looking about the number one team in the country and talking about, oh, we got to make sure we have a champion, they forget that, you know, when you have 38 bowl games, what do we have now, 39, that the 100 or so players on those teams, this is one of their great experiences in their life. We oftentimes have players that come down and play in the AutoZone Larry Bowl. That's the first time they've really been a, on a, a, a trip instead of just going overnight and getting on the bus and playing a game to experience like here in Memphis, you know, the Civil Rights Museum, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, Beale Street for some music history. And this is a great opportunity for them to connect with their families and the constituency of the university. And, you know, there's a few players, you know, the, the stars, the stars are going to take care of themselves. They're going to sign contract with the NFL. They're going to be fine. But the, if there's 200 players each year and two or three of them are going to be, you know, stars or get into the NFL, that's one thing. But trying to have a great collegiate experience for them. And I always talk about it. And hopefully some of your listeners out there, the bands, for example, there's more kids playing in the university bands than there are playing on the football team. And this is their time to showcase. They work and sweat all through August and through the fall to perform and for them to get to go to a bowl game. And in our case, you know, they come down a parade down historic Beale Street and then they play at the game. And and this is a great experience for them. So I think sometimes we forget that we're talking about thousands of young people that this is one of the great experiences in their life. We're not just talking about trying to identify, well, you know, who's number one, you know, there's a much bigger issue than that. So yes, we certainly want to make sure that the, the integrity of a bowl system can is folded in with whatever issues of expansion to say, okay, more teams. And, you know, there's so much emphasis on say, well, who's number one versus saying, okay, if a team, you know, plays in a, in a bowl game, a new bowl game, look, as you know, the, the Boston's going to have a new bowl game up in Fenway Park this year. And so whoever gets to play in that bowl, have a great experience, go play in the bowl game instead of somebody knock it and say, well, that's just not but talk about the couple hundred, you know, student athletes. And then, you know, several hundred of the band kids. This is a, a once in a lifetime experience. And many, many times we'll talk to the, the young student athletes and they've never had a chance to be on a real road trip. Maybe they got recruited and they got to go visit a one day, a university but this is an experience for them to connect with their families and the institution. So yes, we'd certainly like to, you know, put that together. And we're, we're a community organization. Most of the team, like Jim McVeigh, you mentioned out at the Outback Bowl runs a great show down in, in, in Tampa and they have events all throughout their, their year. Like you say, uh, this weekend, Peyton Manning is coming to town, our, our distinguished citizen award, which has been given to, you know, great achievements in, in the, in the, country. We've had admirals and governors and generals and pay, uh, I'd say, you know, winners in, in all kinds of areas. But Peyton has certainly done, 
he's reached the pinnacle of his profession. So we're honoring him. Archie Manning will be here with him. His father, he, he won the award several years ago. And then, uh, you know, as Archie says, uh, it's a great opportunity for Peyton to uh, win an award that Elvis Presley won 40 years ago. So <laughs> you'll never be able to win the same award that Elvis Presley won. But, but you're right. The community activities are important. And, and that's one reason why we certainly hope that the bowls can be balanced into whatever comes to pass in the future. Steve, I, I, I tell people one of the greatest, uh, you know, I was fortunate because I played during the heyday of the Canes and, you know, I'm going to Fiesta Bowls and Orange Bowls. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life playing in those bowl games. And I'm going to I, I tell people I think television and the TV networks are destroying the bowl games because it's almost impossible for you guys to find advertisers, you know, just to keep them appeased because, you know, they're always going to put the hierarchy bowls. Now, the Liberty Bowl is not going to have to worry because of the of, of the brand that you guys have built there. Liberty Bowl is part of the original bowl games. These new off bowls, I think they have tough putts uphill because of advertisers. The television networks don't put them on the right time. How much is TV helping or hurting, in your opinion, keeping the bowl season alive? Dan, you're, you're right, hitting all these great hot-button issues, which you exactly right. And we're the seventh oldest uh, bowl game. Bud Dudley came back from flying missions over Europe where a lot of his uh, fellow pilots didn't come back. And so he vowed to start an institution that would carry on the traditions of liberty and freedom and patriotism. So we've done that for 63 years. And so we have a particular uh, mission for that. And we've been successful because we've been on ABC and and ESPN. Uh, we're one of the longest running bowl games. And, and we also are blessed because AutoZone is a hometown company that was founded here in Memphis and their executives are on our board and they're very supportive of our whole mission. So the AutoZone Liberty Bowl is going to survive and, and be secure. But you're right. There's probably too many bowl games, but yet on one hand, I hate to take that away because and I'm right. not picking on any university, but let's say, uh, you know, I'm just picking, a, say, a, a Mid-America Conference team or a Sunbelt team that, you know, this is just a big deal for them as, say, the best team in the SEC. I mean, to have what you said, Dan, when you played in the bowl, you were playing in the, the very top-notch bowls when you were playing, but but it's still doggone important. When you see the kids celebrating a, a bowl trophy and jumping around and their fans are there and their parents and their girlfriends are there having a great time, it's a big-time experience for them. So I hate to say jump on the wagon and say, well, there's too many, but we certainly do need the support of the television networks and we do need the support of other fans to say, yeah, this is a, a great opportunity for these young, young men and women. Tell you what, Steve, if you have anything laying around there, even a notepad that's got USFL on it, I want it. I'll, I'll pay for it. I don't care what it is, man, because it's one of my favorite leagues. And I tell everyone this, it goes USFL, AFL, and then the other league that I played in the world football league, the world league of American football, those three leagues were probably the three best spring leagues, but it was USFL and then it was everybody else. You guys put your backbone into it. And I'm so glad to hear that you guys are guarded and that brand is being guarded by such caretakers because, you know, to have people come in and try to say that now it's theirs to hear you say it is not, it's not, let's not move so fast here. It's really great. Please. We got to get you back on, you know, to see how the story plays out. Thank you so much and have a great time this weekend. 
at your golf event. Well, Dan, you're so knowledgeable about this entire subject. I'm going to have to start listening in now. Uh, <laughs> you, but, uh, you, you're really astute here, and I very much appreciate that. And uh, hope all your listeners out there and uh, weigh in with us about this. And you know, that's your questions are a lot on what the public decides, what they want to you know watch and support. And so, uh, and if the folks at Fox are listening, we're we're open, we're conciliatory, we're we're not angry, we're not antagonistic. But uh, you know, let's do if it's going to go forward, let's do it the right way. So, uh, so thank you. So Dan. you know this, just know this, Jacob Bowman, who is the executive vice president under Eric Shanks. He follows me on Twitter too, and I know Eric very well. And I can promise you this: when I post this and we put this out there on my Twitter at Dan Celio Show, people are going to know because I'm putting it up there. Fox and would I be wrong if I put this, Steve? Fox and Brian Woods do not own the USFL. Well, I would say, and if you could maybe add that the folks that are that are still part and parcel of the USFL would like to talk with them. Yes. And- and send, send a deal and say that people like, you know, Carl Peterson, you know, these guys, we'd love to sit down with them. And let's say, uh, again, not in an antagonistic way, not with with lawyers or anything, but just let's sit down and see, you know, what do you really want to achieve and what can we help work together on? So that's we've achieved. I haven't reached out to anybody at Fox yet, but hopefully maybe through your uh your reach there, you and suggest that we we sit down and talk. We get you know somebody like Carl, who's so well respected. You know, he was uh, oh absolutely built the Chiefs. You know, and he, and he I, called me yesterday and said, "What's going on?" And I said, "Well, I, I don't know. I don't know this fella, and, and we certainly haven't signed anything over. And you know, I don't want to get into a to somebody whether they went out there and they filed some kind of a filing that that doesn't give them any necessarily rights. But we're we're not antagonistic. So yes, yeah, thank you, Dan, and. Uh, Thank you for uh, having me on your show. I appreciate it very much. Absolutely. We will follow up with you. Have a great event this weekend. You're one of my favorite bulls, the Liberty Bull. Thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate your time, brother. Thank you, Dan. You bet. Steve Earhart, the executive director of the AutoZone Liberty Bull, and also he was the last executive chairman of the USFL. So we now have it on record here. Fox Sports and Brian Woods do not own the USFL. For them to come out on Thursday and say, we're starting the USFL up, where is this coming from? They, they do not own the USFL. This is a crazy story. You just heard the man who was in charge of the entire league at the very end. And there is a group of owners of the original league that still stay in contact with one another. They actually, they must have a DBA doing business as the USFL. He said they have a bank account. They still get royalty checks for the merchandise that they had. And, to hear Fox come out and say that, and we will be posting that at Dan Cilio show that Fox sports and Brian Woods of the spring football league do not own the USFL. And you heard it exclusively here on the national football show. The man who was in the building, the man who was in charge, he was basically the commissioner of the USFL at the very end. He was there at the very beginning when they were putting this league together. 
So from 83 to 85, the existence of the league, Steve Earhart was the man who was putting everything together. He was also the part owner of the Memphis Showboats. That's where Reggie White played. And the Memphis Showboats, as you heard him say, they used to get 50,000 fans into the Liberty Bowl there where they played. The reason that that league, again, was the fact that the lower teams in that league, like the Denver Gold and the Arizona Wranglers, they were not making very much money because they were not very good. But still to the point, the upper teams, like the Philadelphia Stars, who won the last two championships of that league, they were drawing very well at the vet. They got a bunch of people there. And you got to remember, during that time, 82-83, Eagles weren't bad. I mean, they were start during the Vermeil years. And, you know, this was Jim Mora Sr. that was coaching that football team. And that he went on, and Jim Mora Sr., he did such a great job with the Philadelphia Stars that he ended up getting that New Orleans Saints job. And what did he do when he went to New Orleans? He put a couple 12 and four seasons up there. So bunch of great coaches. George Allen, I think, was a coach also in that league, if I'm not mistaken. Jim Kelly played in that league. Man, I, 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 I'm almost afraid to post this stuff now because everything that you're hearing, I mean, I'm watching promos right now in my studio here about Fox running promos on the USFL. That's not what the original owners are now saying. The original owners are saying not so fast. However, they did say this, that they would be open to doing business. And I think that's all that you can ask for. So I got to say, man, I think that's pretty cool that we were able to get these people here all together. And maybe we can put them all together and we can get some of the people from Fox on with us. All right. Xander, great stuff. Krause, you were great today as usual. Cal, you're great. Big Joe, we want to thank you. Have yourselves a spectacular weekend. We'll catch you on Monday going 4 to 6 p.m. right here on the National Football Channel. You can catch us also on the Jacob Media Channel. We'll see you on the flip side. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.